Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. This is part three of a five part series. This is five parts. It's probably the longest series we've ever done on the podcast, but this one was worth it. Uh, I am, of course, speaking to my friend Lydia Mahova from languagementoring.com, and we are covering the principles of language learning. Everything you need to know, well, not everything, but a lot of the most important stuff you need to know about learning a language. Hopefully this series is proving to be a good refresher for those of you who are, you know, maybe stuck in a bit of a rut, looking for uh, a fresh way to learn, looking to optimise your learning across the board. We cover a lot of stuff. In part one, we talked about uh, taking responsibility for your learning, and I'm sure that was something that you will relate to being a listener of this podcast, of course, which is all about independent language learning. In part two, we talked about creating time and prioritizing language learning. In part three, then, we will be talking about how to actually go about learning a language. Now, you may be expecting a very fixed procedure, step one, step two, step three, particular activities. And if you are expecting that, you're in for a bit of a surprise because that's not what you're going to get at all. Um, What you're going to hear from Lydia today is... Again, it's right out of the I Will Teach You a Language playbook, so you should be very familiar with it. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy what uh, what we talk about. I want to thank italki. Italki are the sponsors of the podcast. They keep the lights on. They've been with us for a very long time, and I love them to bits. I also get lots of my language practice on italki because it is a very convenient way to connect to speakers of the language you're trying to learn and to set up regular times to speak with them and practice the language. I often do it at home at strange times of the day, just on my laptop on Skype. It's that easy. And if you'd like to get a free lesson with a speaker of any language, pretty much, then you can do so through my link, which is I will teach you forward slash free lesson. That's I will teach you forward slash free lesson. All right, then. Here we go. Here's part three, and here's Lydia. Okay, welcome back. I am here with Lydia for part three. What are we talking about in this series, Lydia? What's the, what's the... We're talking about language learning, and I think we're actually getting uh, going into really practical tips here. Yeah. I, I like this conversation with you where we actually find out we agree with each other on most of the topics, uh, but it might be something that's new to most listeners, I guess. Yeah, yeah. A lot of great stuff coming up. This is part three. So if you haven't watched the first two parts, please go back and do that because uh, it's going to make a lot more sense. Also, a quick reminder, this is this series is available on YouTube, uh, on the podcast, the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, and on the blog as well. So whichever way you prefer to consume this, it is there for your viewing, listening, reading pleasure. All right, then. So in part one, we covered the fundamental mindsets of language learning, the, the, the attitude and mindset that you have to have as a student coming in to learn a new language and how that affects your outcome. In part two, we talked about the importance of prioritizing and creating time and what happens if you don't. And in part three, we're really getting into the, the meat of it. We're going to be talking about what do you actually do when you sit down to learn a language? So, Lydia, what do you do? Well, the very, very important thing here is to decide um, what activities you will practice, right? Um, and I always ask people at the beginning, 
So what do you want to do in the language? Like, what is your goal? I mean, do you want to write scientific papers in the language? Or do you want to travel and use the language when speaking? Or do you just want to understand? I mean, I know people who are just happy understanding Hungarian newspapers. They don't really want to speak the language, right? So what is your goal? And then depending on that, you should realize or you should decide what activities you will practice. Because if your goal is to travel and use the language with native speakers, then you should definitely concentrate on speaking and listening as the two most important activities and you should give them most time. I think this is really crucial. And many people don't realize it because like, there, there are easy apps like we've mentioned, Duolingo, for example, and many other apps which are like very playful and they give you some basic knowledge in the, of the vocabulary. They don't really make you speak the language and this is really important. So I think the first question for everyone is to realize what am I doing with the language and is this bringing me closer to the goal of using the language as I want to use it, right? Yeah, so the, I guess the, so the, the idea here is that we have an endpoint. We know where we're going, what we want to do with the language. And then the method that we use should be a method that actually gets us to our endpoint. Often run into here is that people. If you ask your average language learner, "What's your goal in the language?" Most people will say, "Oh, well, I want to speak fluently." Yeah, and that's that's a good goal. I mean, that's a good direction. Well, it's a good aspiration, isn't it? It's a good yeah. thing to, to hope for. But the, the trouble is, how do you get from? You know, what do you say to someone then if if if, if they articulate their goals as, "Well, I want to speak fluently." Mm-hmm. Like, how do you reverse engineer the activities? You know, because if, we, if the idea here is we're going to choose our activities to meet our goal, well, what, what's an activity that, that ends up in fluency? Sure. So if you want to fluently, we have the word speak in there, which kind of gives us a hint of what we need to practice most of all. And um, let's say this person is really interested in just speaking and we make sure that, you know, they don't want to read books in the language and uh, they don't want to write emails, let's say company emails or something then I really, I would say, okay, you don't need to practice these two skills very, very much. You don't need to concentrate so much on writing and on reading. Maybe, you know, if you really just want to speak, you might not want to, you might not uh, worry too much about the spelling. Let's say, for example, in a language like French, um, I always aimed for a conversational fluency in French. So my spelling is pretty bad, right? If someone writes me an email, I think they might they might think that my level in French is is a bit lower than it really is because I never bothered too much about the spelling. I never practiced writing a lot. But I aimed for a conversational fluency, so I had a lot more conversations in French. Right? Sure. So and and as for uh, of course with speaking, you necessarily need to understand the other people. I mean, unless you want uh, your speaking ability to be a monologue and just, you know, give a speech or something, you will probably want to understand what the other person is saying. And for that purpose, you will need to practice a lot of listening. So if you want to speak a language fluently, if that's your goal, then you should concentrate most of your learning time on speaking and listening. That would be my main tip. So I guess that applies particularly as you go go through the process of learning, as you progress to different stages. It's a good reference point. It's a good question to ask yourself, isn't it? Like, okay, Mm -hmm. you you walk into a bookshop and it's like, I don't know, um, a hundred email templates for, for for French business or something, <laughs> you know, having an awareness that actually, yeah, you could get that, but really all you really care about is speaking with people, you know, right. a good way to guide and question. All right. So how do you approach the very beginning then? What, what, what mm-hmm. are your, what are your kind of guiding principles for first starting into that? Yeah. So I'm, I don't know about you. I'm not a big fan of the 
speaking from the first day on uh, approach, which means that, uh, you know, that, that is one of the approaches to speak from right from the beginning. Um, but I actually suggest to people to, uh, to get more input before they, they start with the output. Um, just checking with you, Oli, if, if you're there and everything's okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Um, so that means um, that is one approach to speak right right from the start. But I actually go for input first, and I'm not necessarily necessarily just speaking about people who uh, are beginners in language learning. I uh, let's let's put it more broadly as people who have had some language exposure before. Maybe they attended some classes in school. Maybe some several years of language learning, as we as we know it, it's usually the case. And maybe they tried a little bit here, a little bit there. Maybe they went for a language course and it never worked out, so they don't feel confident. Um, I would actually recommend to them to start to give it one month of, uh, let's say, one hour a day listening and reading. So make it a more passive um, input. And then after one month, concentrate on speaking. Right. So, so, what, so listening and reading. So yeah. what does that look like from a... From a from a kind of study or from an activity perspective? I mean, you sit down and, and just, what do, you, what do you read? What do you listen to? Yeah. Um, I think that it's really important to, to have the fun part in language learning. So it shouldn't be just a lot of hard work. It should be fun and enjoyable for me personally. And that's why my most favorite method to practice listening uh, comprehension is watching TV shows, series, so I'm, I'm a big fan, like I've seen so many series uh, on Netflix or, you know, uh, whatever websites that stream series. And I find it really the best way. I find them much better than movies, because if you find one good series, you can get hooked. If you get hooked, you don't really need to think about, do I want to do this? Is it necessary? It's like, I want to watch the next episode, right? And I find them also a lot easier to understand um, audio wise. So I think series are really the best. And, um, and of course, people always ask with or without subtitles, right? So actually, I would be interested to know what is, what is your, uh, what is your um, take on that. Do you recommend watching with subtitles? I mean, the, the thing about watching TV when you're in a, as, a, as a beginner is that it's pretty hard to understand what's going on. Um, We're not talking about total beginners, though, right? Let's say people who had some language exposure before. All right, okay. But yeah. they're like beginner yeah, so in the language learning process, like learning by themselves. I see, right, yeah. Um, I mean, I would, well, you, with, with watching TV and movies, you've got a few different, you've got three different options, basically, right? You can watch it in the target language with no subtitles. You can watch it with subtitles in the target language. And you can watch it with subtitles in your language or in a, in a, in a different language, mm -hmm. with translations, basically. Um, I, I, it does sort of depend what you're trying to do, but in general, I think... It, if you're trying to get something out of it from a linguistic perspective, um, it does you no good whatsoever to have the subtitles in English or in your in your mother tongue. Exactly. Um, simply because when you've got those, when you can read, so in my case, my mother tongue being English, if I'm reading in English and I'm no longer concentrating on what's being said, it's exactly. a fundamental problem, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it can be very helpful to have a subtitle in the target language um, because you can you can just just helps to give you that give your ear that support you know the stuff that you're not hearing you can see it spelled out um but of course like the, the ultimate test is to have no subtitles then i think you've got to ask yourself am i am i getting anything from it or is it just too hard for me because often it's going to be too hard 
Yes. If you're just listening with no subtitles, right? So you've got to kind of make that judgment by yourself. Like, where where am I getting the most out of this? Is it with subtitles in the target language or or without? And that's the kind of choice that I find myself making. Yes, I, I agree totally with you. Just I think that the question should not be asked after the first episode. I always tell people they should wait at least like five episodes, you know, persevere with it, even if you find it very difficult, and then see if it brings you somewhere. Because I totally remember my first episode of Desperate Housewives in French, where I watched it. You know, I always I always choose very, let's say, simple series, which are about everyday life, not something like sci-fi. I want everyday conversations. And, and uh, actually, these series for women are very good for it. Because something happens in the first episode and within the same episode, they talk about it and they talk about talking about it and they talk about someone who told someone, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of re repetition, uh, linguistic repetition. So I watched the first episode and, and I had been learning French for about, I don't know, five, five months by then. So I thought, you know, I will understand something. And I thought I didn't understand anything. Like I felt totally lost after the episode and I was a bit disappointed. And I know that many people have gone through that feeling and they just give up because they think, oh, I'm clearly not on that level and, you know, I'm, I'm just not good enough to watch without subtitles. But my experience has been with several languages that I've learned that you just need to make sure you continue. And uh, by the fifth episode, or in my case, it, was, it took me about two seasons of that series, it started to make sense, really. And it was a beautiful feeling because you have these chunks of dialogues that suddenly make sense. So I would say don't give up too easily on series without subtitles. Yeah. And I guess the, the broader point there is that, I mean, if that, it, it, what you're talking about is transitioning from your kind of learning environment where things are broken down into grammar rules and exercises and lists of vocabulary. Uh, you know, where everything is nicely organized for you and arranged by the teacher or by the textbook. It's transitioning from that to um, to or what you'd call extensive listening or extensive reading. So like, you know, spending listening at length to the language without support. And it's that transition which can be very hard for people. If you've just if you've spent all your time in a classroom, then sitting down to watch a, a TV series in the language can be totally overwhelming because you've just never done it before. Right. But the experience that you've mentioned there of just persisting and just keeping going, keeping an open mind, keeping that belief that you can understand, it can change, it can come quite quickly, can't it? I mean, five, five episodes of a, of a TV series really isn't that much. Yeah. But if, 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 what, if that, the change that happens is that you then have the confidence to actually listen, uh, to watch and listen to this thing in your in your target language, and, and then and you, and, you, and you know that you can actually get the meaning from it and understand and appreciate it. That can then change everything because then then you can learn by yourself, really, with enough of that stuff. You don't need the you don't need to be taught. You can just learn by yourself. Exactly, and I think this is a very important breakthrough moment for many learners who who did make this brave, bold, you know, transition to authentic material, and then they realized after giving it some time, after being a bit patient with it, like it's, it's actually understandable. Like I can use it and it's so motivational to see like I understand authentic content. This is not like, you know, very, very easy stuff which we made understandable to you, but you actually understand authentic content. And you don't understand 100% of it, but you don't need to. In order to follow a, ser a simple series, uh, it's enough to understand, I don't know, 70% of it. And, and you can just guess 
the other 30%. And it will it will increase, right? The amount of comprehension will increase. So I think that's that's very useful. So we talked about TV series. Presumably, you don't just sit around watching TV all day. So uh, what, are, <laughs> what other things do you like to do? Yeah, I also love podcasts to learn a language. And it's funny because when you, when you say this to, um, let's say, the English-speaking world, then, I mean, obviously, this is, this is a podcast which we're doing right now. So people who are listening to this probably know what that means. Uh, but in, in some countries, like Slovakia, uh, if you ask uh, 100 people, what is a podcast, 15 of them will raise their hand, knowing. So it's really not something which is very popular. So, um, yeah, now we're we, we're talking to people who know, obviously. But anyway, podcasts are super, super interesting and, and useful for language learning, I think. And again, you both I authentic had, I had material. Mm-hmm. I, sorry, I had a statistic somewhere that uh, even in the US, like only about, uh, I'm not totally confident about this number, but something like only 7% of adults have actually ever listened to a podcast. Really? It's like, for, see, it's, podcasting is funny because for people who like podcasts, their life is podcasting. I mean, I just listen to podcasts all day long. Like, I'm a podcast fiend. Mm. Uh, so the thought that somebody doesn't doesn't know podcasts uh, is, is is amazing. But I regularly meet people who tell me I've never listened to a podcast. Right? Like they've got the podcast app on their iPhone and they've never opened it. Mm. So yeah, I think it, it's it's a, it's an incredible medium. Yeah, it uh, is. Yeah, we we forget and, that not everybody has used it. Right, and I think the best podcasts are those that are interviews such as the one we're doing now, because they're the most natural conversation you can, you can have. You, have. you hear the reaction of the people agreeing, disagreeing, giving opinions, etc. And I definitely do not recommend listening to podcasts which are read, like someone has a script and reads it. That's not a podcast. That's not really useful material for language learning because it's very artificial uh, and, and it's much more difficult to follow. This is also the reason why I don't recommend to people to watch like BBC News or CNN because it's so packed with with information, it's it's difficult to follow even for native speakers often, you know, uh, idea-wise. So I had a different experience most recently. Um, I mean, I, 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 I think in general I'd agree with, with, with that, that advice. Um, but I had a different experience this summer when I, when I learned Italian. And I'm not sure, maybe, the, maybe this, is, this has to do with, you know, maybe I was able to understand more than I might normally be able to because I've got I was familiar with other, other languages but I actually found um, you know because I, I was so keen to to learn through just through, through content through listening uh, and reading um, that I, I I went out and I, and I looked for as many podcasts as I could because um, because I because I really love podcasts and I have lots of time where I, where I can listen and the ones so the podcasts where I got a lot from were definitely those kind of unscripted ones but I think there's a there is something that's even more important than that. We can have like a trump card, which is that if there is something that you are massively interested in, then that can be uh, the value of that is is such that like scripted, unscripted doesn't matter because your like your your interest in the topic will pull you through. So in my case with Italian, I, I actually found this podcast that was incredibly well produced. It was a bit like the. Um, the the NPR podcasts in the US, uh, you know, very very well produced, completely scripted, um, you know, lots of sound effects and, and wonderful storytelling and stuff like that. And it was it was it was on politics and it was on the US, uh, the twenty sixteen US election. And and there was this guy who was telling stories about the about the ele- all the incredible stories that that came out of of of, of um of 
of the US in, in that year, uh, you know, good and bad, mostly bad probably, but, but he was telling these stories in a very good way. And it was just so gripping and so engaging and that even though it was kind of formal language, like you were saying, and it wasn't that kind of spontaneous conversation, I, I was just so interested in it that it just, I couldn't stop listening to it. And that that's kind of like a magic situation there where, where you like something so much that you can't stop listening to it. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. Actually, I, I didn't mention this, but when I talk about language learning, I, I always have to mention like the four most important pillars that I have in my philosophy. And the first one of them is fun. So if you find something really enjoyable, it doesn't really matter if, if it meets any other criteria. Just love it and you don't mind spending time with it. And that's the perfect material for you, right? The second one is like a lot of content. This is why I say you have to be patient with series and you have to watch a lot of episodes to actually start seeing some progress. And the third one is effective methods, which we are talking about here as well, and being systematic, which we've touched upon in the second part. So, yeah, I totally agree. If you if you are so engaged in something, if you love it, then go for it and just use it. Use a lot of it, right? Yeah. So we've covered TV, we've covered podcasts. Right. So there's just the two ideas about how, how to get listening content, how to get listening input. Yeah. Now, as for reading... Uh, we said that if someone just wants to speak fluently, it doesn't really um, wants like the shortest way. They may not have to worry about reading too much. But I personally love to uh, be able to read the text in the language as well. Like I, my goal is to be able to have a conversation, understand anything fluently, uh, and be able to read any book in that language. So let's say a nonfiction book, and that's why I definitely recommend reading books in the language. And you can easily go for authentic material. If you just find um, a book which is translated into your language as well. So let's say you're learning uh, French and you want to read um, Little Prince and you find it, you know, the French original and you find the English translation and you can easily create like a bilingual book where you follow the French text. And if you don't understand anything, you just look it up in the English one. And I think this is a, a wonderful, simple solution. Everyone can create a language material right like that. And on top of that, you can easily find uh, audiobooks, uh, for, especially for famous books such as Little Prince. For example, on YouTube, if you just put in on YouTube, like Little Prince audiobook uh, in French, right, then it will give you a lot of people who actually read the whole story in one hour so you can listen to it at the same time. And I think this combination of speaking and, uh, sorry, reading and listening is, is wonderful. It really does magic. So and, and that's so simple, right? You know, you know, like if someone listens to this, they have never learned any language by themselves. They can just do this, start doing it, do a lot of it, find a book they love, and and they will see what magic it does to their language skills. There's a, you know, we, we mentioned how podcasts. Often people don't know about podcasts. There's another thing that that you know I really like, but I, I've realized recently that many people don't know about, which is that uh, if you use Amazon Kindle to read. Then you've got kind of one-touch dictionaries on those on those uh, yeah. on those uh, on those devices, and uh, diction- dictionaries are a funny thing because people uh, love their dictionaries, but usually it kind of really slows you down, right? Because you're reading reading a book, you have to put it down and pick up the dictionary and find the the word, and so it really slows you down. But if you're reading on a Kindle, you can just tap a word and get an instant definition. Yeah. That allows you to keep moving through the text and keep enjoying it, right? Which is another great way to just um, you know to 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 get that content but i think you did there is an issue there though isn't there with like the level that you're reading at because i mean even if like i mean how do you think about that so you mentioned you know reading authentic content 
I mean, reading authentic novels, for example, in a, in a second language is usually pretty tough. So, I mean, how do you think about that f- from a level perspective? And when would you start to, yes. to do that? I always recommend people to work with material which is slightly above their current level. So if I'm a complete beginner, I will not go for an authentic novel because I will not understand anything, right? But um, if I'm... So I would, I would go for a simplified text, uh, simplified short stories, you know, and um, if, I, if I'm already at a level, because my experience is many people have really spent a lot of years learning a language, but they, don't, they have never really used it in practice. They never practice a lot of speaking. But once they start doing a lot of listening, reading, watching series, listening to podcasts, reading books, they can achieve a good B1 level very, very quickly. And I think with a, with a good B1 level where you're almost getting to the B2 level, which, which means very like fluent in everyday topics, you can easily use authentic books, no problem. So in general, I would say one level, one level above. But I never recommend people to start with novels and fiction because I think it's very difficult. What I find a lot easier is uh, practical books, like uh, on any topic that interests you. Uh, let's say, you know, how to, I don't know if you are interested in business, yeah, marketing or business or uh, how to how to have good presentation skills, how to be a leader, uh, how to raise your kids. How to learn a language. Yeah, exactly. That's that's good material as well. Yeah. This is so, yeah. much more, so much easier, uh, so much easier than fiction, because with fiction, you get a lot of like with fiction is not just about the content. It's about how it is said, right, how it is written. And, and authors like to play around with words and they like to use unusual words. And often if it's like a historical novel, then you are learning 18th century vocabulary, which you don't really need. Yeah. So Where do you stand on children's books? Because as everybody knows, as everybody knows, if you want to learn a language, just read kids' books. Easy. I, I hate that advice and I never give it to people. Because like I, I, if Slovaks ask me, I give them an example of a book by Dobšinsky, who was like a big author in the 19th century. And I don't understand the Slovak that he uses, you know, it's it's very complicated. I would never say it's not natural. It's just this funny way of speaking, which is interesting to kids. But I don't I don't find it very natural and, and the, the vocabulary that is used there is not particularly useful in my in my opinion. There are of course some modern things and, and children books which might be useful. Like for example, Harry Potter was my favorite resource when I when I learned several languages. Um, but in general, I don't think it's that much easier to work with uh, children's books. I always say, make sure it's it's material that would interest you in your language as well. So I'm not a big fan of reading children's books by myself, just for myself. So I would rather find a self-help book uh, that actually teaches me something. Uh, for example, a good example is uh, The Miracle Morning. Have you heard about that book? Yeah, I've read that book, yeah. It's, it's such a good one. I've read it in French, which is one of my weaker languages. And and I loved it. I didn't even realize it was in French because I was like, oh, my God, this guy says I could wake up at 5 a.m. and be happy about it. I just read it so fast. It was so, so easy to learn, uh, to, to read. Yeah, I read a book this summer in Italian called Riconquista il tuo tempo. So reclaim, reclaim I guess, your time, get your yeah. time back. That's a perfect topic to yeah. So easy, like so, so like the language, very straightforward language. You know, very useful. Like I'm kind of, I'm interested in that. Anyway. Time management tips. Uh, I just learned so much from it, and also because the language was quite simple. Actually, when there are kind of little nice little expressions and phrases, colloquial phrases that come in, there, I can actually understand those, and I can kind of take them and use them for my own 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. People always go for uh, like you know they want to learn Russian, so they start reading Dostoevsky. Yes. Or, I mean, it's <laughs> so that's so yeah. so difficult. So, but but the problem is if you if you look for like really bilingual materials in in bookshops, these are the books you will find, right? Yeah. So very very old books because of uh, authors' rights, copyright, and stuff like that. It's easy to turn these books into bilingual books, not modern literature. But that's why I, I suggest just, you know, get a copy, like the original copy and the translation which you understand and, and just use it. So what you've, what you've outlined for us here is the kind of the, the big picture path through the language learning process. And it's interesting, we haven't spoken about activities or exercises, which is probably what people are expecting. Right? It's like, okay, well, what activities do you do? Do you do gap fills or whatever? But what you focused on here is, is content. We talked about TV series. For listening, it talks about podcasts also for listening, it talks about uh, books and other material for reading. So tie that all together for us then. How does how does this all kind of come together to get you to a point where you can act where you know the language? Right. So if you want to get to the point where you speak the language, uh, don't worry about speaking at the very beginning. Go for all of input first, which means listening and reading, and just realize that you will need a lot of that input. It will not happen if you read one story or one text. You really need to read the whole book to feel some progress in your language. You need to have seen, you know, three seasons of a series to feel like you understand more. And this will only happen if you find materials which you are personally interested in and which are um, which are usable for your level. So um, if, you, if you do that, then I, I think these activities, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay speaking about particular activities, what to do with it, but I think this is much more important from a broader, broader perspective because if you find one good resource, let's say a book which you really love reading and uh, a series which you love watching or a podcast which you really love listening to, you don't need to persuade yourself to, to do it because you want to do it. Like you wake up in the morning like, oh, I can read another 10 pages of this amazing book and discover new vocabulary, right? So I think this is really the key, finding some enjoyable material and spending a lot of time with it in a systematic way. Wonderful. All right, then. So in part one, we covered the mindset you need for learning. In part two, we talked about the importance of time and priority. What we've talked about here is the actual kind of engine of learning, what what, what results in you learning the language through reading and listening. In part four, we're going to get onto the fun stuff, which is speaking. Yes. So don't go anywhere. If you're listening to this on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button so that you get notified about the next part of this and anything else that comes up. And Lydia, I guess I'll see you back for part four. I can't wait. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. You know, one of the questions I get asked most often about language learning is how to improve your memory. Because things get so much easier when you learn new words and you don't forget them later in conversation when you really need them. So what I decided to do was to put together a a short email course. It's a three-part email course over three days that teaches you my favorite techniques for memorizing vocabulary and actually putting that vocabulary into your long-term memory. It's a short course, three days, it's completely free, and if you'd like to sign up for it, please go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash free memory course. 